and welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I am your host, Natalie Kra. How are you doing today? I'm so happy to be here with you. And I'm so excited for our next guest today. Been wanting to have her on the show for so long. She has been referred to me by so many dear friends. And I know that you'll get a lot out of this episode. So stay all the way through the end. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcast platforms. If you enjoy the show, the content, the information, this episode or others, share it with someone you love, a friend, a family member, and help us spread this information so that we can uplift everyone's life and the planet. So today's guest is Unique Hammond. Unique Hammond is a holistic nutritionist, integrative health coach, and an author. She says beans and a fiber-focused diet healed her own chronic health issues, and now she helps people all over the world do the same. Cool, right? This show is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School where we offer 200-hour and 300-hour yoga certification programs, as well as mini online workshops on various topics related to health and wellness. At Life on Earth Podcast, we are committed to consistently finding ways to up-level all aspects of our lives. We take responsibility back over our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health, so that we can thrive during our one and only precious life on earth. Please enjoy this awesome episode with the one and only Unique Hammond. Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature, and ultimately, love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace, and global equality, one earthling at a time. Good morning, Unique. Thank you for being here, and welcome to Life on Earth podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Thank you. I would love to talk about, I have actually so many questions for you. I took some notes here and some things that I wanted to touch base on. And also really, we can start with letting our community and our listeners know a little bit about you if they haven't already. I'm sure many of them already have. I was referred to you by so many different people that I know. So it's really exciting to have you here. And it's exciting to know your story and to be able to ask you some questions and guide us through this really journey of health that you have been on and that you are so good at supporting people, I feel. And I've listened to you speak before and I've read your blogs. And I also want to say I'm so excited and we'll get more into it that I am in your program at the moment. So (laughs) maybe we can start with you letting everyone know a little bit about you. What's your background? How'd you get into the bean protocol? Oh, wow. Okay. I guess I can start with now. Now I am a Mm -hmm. holistic nutrition practitioner, a health coach, a life coach, and a proud bean protocol specialist. And it's really at this point I'm dedicated to is this incredible protocol that 
really changed the course of my life and my health story. 2009. I should begin by saying that I've always been an incredibly sensitive person and anxious. And all of my feelings would always sit in my stomach and bother my gut. I had a lot of social anxiety that I did a pretty good job of hiding, but my body knew what was Mm -hmm. going on. On the outside, I looked maybe not, but on the inside, Mm -hmm. I was just a lot of turmoil. So I think that really set me up for a lot of, A, the poor choices I made because a lot of the choices I made were driven by insecurity versus embodiment and being comfortable in my body. So in my early 30s, 2009, really everything came together, all of my poor choices alongside my social anxiety, alongside my insecurity, just alongside everything Mm -hmm. where my gut was just in a really bad place. I was always used to contemplating ooh, is this going to hurt my gut? Is it not going to hurt my gut? But oftentimes not caring either way because I always felt better in a few days anyway after a poor food choice or night out Mm -hmm. or whatever. But in 2009, things were just not coming back together like they used to. And the trend was just kind of things just continued to get worse. I should also mention that when I was young and started my cycle, I also had incredibly painful periods and pretty severe mood swings and pain and just tenderness. So there was just a lot going on for me, Mm -hmm. which I then understood later that any kind of emotional trauma, hormone imbalances, all of these things are part of that painful period conversation that I just didn't know. I thought, oh, this is my lot in life. So I just have to use painkillers every month, not going, wait, what? We're not supposed to be punished for being women. (laughs) (laughs) This is not normal. But again, didn't question it because I wasn't really in my body. I think I spent the first 30 something years not really inhabiting my human body. It was more Mm -hmm. just this thing I dragged around with me. That's interesting. But then you had sort of something that happened that made you want to completely change because you're talking about just not inhabit. Like a lot of us go through that, like just sort of living and having this body and moving it around, but we're not really like in our body sometimes. But I think something then you had like sort of an awakening, right? And then that's when you began, you got serious about your healing journey. Is that what happened? Well, yeah. And I think it was either end of 2010 or 11, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. um, Mm -hmm. And it felt serious because I was in the care of doctors. I Mm -hmm. got a checkup every year. I saw my Chinese medicine doctor on a regular basis. And Mm -hmm. I always said it was just for kind of like maintaining good health is how I saw it. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting to see that when I got really sick, when my body started to fall apart, that all the doctors that I had put in place to help stay well couldn't help me. They were just like, we don't know what's going on. And if I look back, I can go, oh, I know what's going on. It was all of these antibiotics. And I had two wrist surgeries that I probably could have not done in retrospect. Mm. Like There was just this history of poor choices. Like Anytime I was sick, I would go to the doctor and be like, what can I take to get better? Like I never wanted to suffer. I never wanted to wait it out. I wanted to be back at life as soon as possible. And that mentality of the quick fix really was Uh just too much of a burden on my body paired with a stressful career, paired with Mm -hmm. not eating for health, but just eating for pleasure and kind of pseudo healthy. It was just this story that was building that I wasn't really conscious to because when you're young and healthy, I think there's a sense of invincibility, you know? Yeah. And it's like old people, they get sick, not young people, right? Yeah. Then you also feel like you're going to live forever and there's all these sort of myths, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Well, this misconception of immutability, yeah. Yeah. not really an understanding of this cellular structure that's walking around, taking in information mm. from everything you put in, whether it's emotional information or the matter that you eat. Mm-hmm. All of this is information and all of it's guiding your health, which I think is profound. To me, it's profound at this point in my life where I'm like, this information, what is this information telling my body to do? Is mm-hmm. it telling my body to release adrenaline? Is it telling my body to be calm? And really approaching food as information has just changed everything for me. It's no longer driven by emotion. Am I sad? I'm going to eat a pint of ice cream. Am I this? Mm-hmm. I'm going to drink wine. So it's like, I'm no longer medicating with food. I'm yes. healing with food on a regular basis. Well, and that's beautiful. But there's also so much education. I feel that the part of the awakening for any being, myself included, is everything you just spoke about makes so much sense to me. And yet you need to learn about that. You need mm-hmm. to find out that there's a new way, there's a different way. It sounds so simple, but that's precisely why your work is so beautiful and important. Not everybody knows that this is actually available to us to get to know all these things and to know what the hormones do and what the adrenaline do. Anyway, but circling back, is that when you met your mentor? Karen is your mentor, right? Or became at some point. Yeah. She started off as my nutritionist. So I was diagnosed with Crohn's. And the moment I got the diagnosis, it was like, a switch flipped in me where I was looking at all the medications and kind of like the roadmap that they were laying out for the rest of my life. And at 33 years old, I was like, no, like no, or I'm not doing this yet because if I have to, I'm very thankful it's there. But I feel like if I co-created this disease, which I did by my actions and not understanding the power of nutrition and the effects of prolonged chronic stress and alcohol and caffeine and all of these things and sugar that it dawned on me that, hey, if I co-created this, I can co-create my health. So how do I support my body getting back to this homeostasis that I took for granted? And really that kicked off, you know, and I was always, like I said, pseudo healthy. I had my Chinese medicine doctor and I ate Mm -hmm. salads. So I considered myself healthier than the average person. And it's funny because I hear this a lot from my clients and they're like, well, unique, I'm the healthiest person I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I was the healthiest person I knew until I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So that really kicked off the journey of diving deep into nutrition to see where I could create this health for myself. But as anybody who's listening, if they know somebody with Crohn's or they have Crohn's, Crohn's is a really interesting mountain to climb because you can only heal if your body is absorbing. And the big thing about Crohn's is that the inflammation in the gut and in the body, it's sitting in the gut, but it's really the body. Food is not staying in you long enough to be absorbed. In my case, Mm. I do know a lot of people who are constipated with Crohn's, but in my case, all of this delicious nourishing food was just taking Mm -hmm. a ride on my digestive tract highway. It was like in and out, Mm. in and out. How did you find out just through a series of tests? Constant test. Yeah. Yeah. When an autoimmune disorder like Crohn's shows up, you're getting a lot of blood drawn and testing all of your stools and constantly watching stuff. And because it took a while, but I ultimately found a doctor who supported my desire to heal naturally. And of course, it wasn't my GI. My GI was like, "Mm, diet's okay, but you're probably going to need drugs as well or predominantly because I was a pretty severe case. I had rapidly declined to 90 pounds on a 5'7 frame and obviously very worried about my ability to even pull myself out of that hole. But I explored all of the diets, anti-inflammatory diets, GAPS, 
breaking the vicious cycle, like anything I could get my hands on, any ideas I could get my hands on, fermented foods. Like at one point, all I was drinking was goat kefir that I was flying in (laughs) from Texas. And it was just like hot lava going through me. At that point, I had taken so many antibiotics that Mm -hmm. my gut biome was just incredibly impaired and didn't matter how many fermented foods I was putting in there or high-priced probiotics, there was no combating the amount of fire that was in there just burning everything up. Wow. So tell us about your protocol in the beginning because I'm hearing what you just said. I'm really curious to see how the food started affecting with the beans. So 2013, after a while of experimenting and trying to find a protocol, I was incredibly ill and a dear friend of mine, Tina, had dropped a book off at my office and I wasn't there to get it. After a few days, she got a ping to pick it up and drop it off at my house. And that's where I had been for a couple of weeks in a pretty bad flare. And she dropped it off and I started reading Karen's book. They said it was impossible. And my first reaction was beans. No, (laughs) not going to happen. Like Crohn's disease, beans. Like First of all, like any girl, most girls are not big bean eaters because (laughs) of the gas and it's just not sexy. And Mm -hmm. appearances were incredibly important to me. So being in this fragile... Gollum like state was incredibly hard on my ego. I couldn't even look in a mirror. I was just like, who is this creature, this Gollum like creature? But anyway, so I read her book and I started very slowly eating beans. And at that time, I was really just eating meat and potatoes because, funny enough, probably more my ancestral food since I'm predominantly Northern European. That was the only thing I could tolerate, would be the word, because I didn't really tolerate anything. But I started slowly entering in beans. And then after a few weeks of entering in beans, I made an appointment and started talking to Karen. And the rest is kind of history. I mean, it took a while to heal. It took a while for my hormones to heal. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time to heal my relationship with myself and my body. And I really group all of those things together because I don't think we have the capacity to heal our physical body if we're not also looking at the emotional relationship we have with ourselves and really repairing, to me, it's a big picture, repairing our relationships with ourselves. Yeah. And the being protocol, it's from my understanding, it can be different, right? It can be slightly different from depending on what's going on with each individual. And it can take different amounts of time to go through the healing process. Because when I was going through your course a little bit yesterday, there's also, so I think the beginning, I'd love to talk about your course because it's a beautiful way people can work with you. And of course, that you take private sessions as well. But the first step is sort of you have to go through something, right? And then it's sort of maintenance. Is that what I'm Yeah, seeing? I take people through a detox. Most people are used to doing these liver flushes and mm-hmm. and all of these things that are actually maybe potentially beneficial, but pretty hard on the body. Yeah. The approach of the Bean Protocol in my eight week course is really to introduce this very gentle detox and a way to get back to basics. It's all whole foods. It's pulling out anything that could be a stimulant for the time being. And so phase one is really about this gentle detox, getting back to basics, and then slowly working towards more of a longevity plan where you bring back in your stimulants if that's important to you, and you bring back in fruits and you bring back in more variety. And really, if a person is healthy going through the course, then they could probably just get to the longevity plan and go with that and Mm -hmm. do that for the eight weeks. But for most people seeking out my course, they're looking to course correct some sort of hormonal imbalance or skin imbalance or autoimmune disorder. And I tweak it along the way. But it was basically 
a very gentle way to get people to add beans into their life. I start off really small, one to two tablespoons of beans, because most people have avoided either carbs or fiber or beans. And really, the reason it's so slow is because so many people jump ahead and add too many beans in and then email me. And I'm like, well, how many beans are you eating? You just started. And they're like, all of these beans. And I'm like, yeah, you actually have to give your microbes time to process and to get used to it and even gain new microbes that actually can break down those fibers. So if you go too fast, then you just do yourself an incredible disservice. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about separating the protein from the beans? You don't. The protein don't. and the beans are together. Mm-hmm. The fats. Okay. It's just the so, fats. That... So what do you separate? The fats? Mm-hmm. You separate the fats for the hormone okay. part of the protocol. Okay. That's super interesting. And I know that that's all there. You know, I am half Brazilian. I'm part French, part Brazilian. And in nice. South America, <laughs> thank you. And in South America, in my Brazilian culture, which is my mom, I grew up eating a lot of beans mm-hmm. because it's sort of a staple in our culture. They do rice and beans, right? Mm-hmm. And I was never, since I was a little kid, I was never really into the rice part. For me, I mostly just took the beans, but it's almost like whatever you're cooking, it doesn't matter what's cooking, but beans are always there every day in the kitchen. Which and is so, so healthy. <laughs> it's so wonderful. I have a few Brazilian clients and they say that they're like unique. What is different about your beans? And I'm like, well, your beans probably have a lot of fat in them. (laughs) Right. And so that's what I was going to say. That was going to be my second part of saying. However, I'm sure that I actually haven't cooked the beans with your recipe yet. I'm going to do it today. They've soaked overnight. I'm super excited. But I know for sure that's going to have to be different because in Brazil, even though we have the beans all the time, it's not like this health mode. They're just sort of a staple food. They're not there as medicine. You're still going to get some really incredible results from them because that kind of fiber, you're going to get some sort of support in the liver, gallbladder department, in the hormone department, depending on how much bacon or fat or whatever is used is in it that's binding up a lot of the soluble fiber. But it's still going to be incredibly wonderful for your gut microbiome, which is a huge part of health and resilience of our human body. So I would say that cultures who eat a lot of legumes are ahead of everyone else in my book. Oh, Obviously, good. it depends on what else you're doing, right? But <laughs> Right, right, exactly. And so there's the protocol. There's a lot of other things to look at. In my case, I definitely want to reset hormones and look at hormones while I'm working with you because I think that that's major. It can happen to so many of us too mm-hmm. without us even realizing. Anyways, you spoke about ancestral eating. You were talking about you sort of northern. So that's what I wanted to bring up that side of myself, for example, really all of us and the listeners. I think that, you know, a lot of times we look at diet like kind of a general and it's like, wait, but depending where you're from, it's got to have a difference, right? And I'm glad to see that in your program, there were like some tests now about this, right? Yeah, I really love the genetic testing because I don't think that there is a one size fits all. What I do think, because I have some clients who culturally traditionally did not have beans, but they had a lot of other fibers. So adding in beans just kind of complements their body's ability to already break down a certain amount of fiber. Obviously, fiber is something that passes through the gut undigested. It's really fodder for the microbes and food for the microbes, which is why having a vast array of fiber, dietary, soluble in your life is going to help maintain a very healthy microbiome. But yeah, there's a lot to genetics. 
And I hope the future of medicine will actually take our genetics into consideration. For example, when I was young and trying to get on birth control because that's what my friends were doing and that's what everybody was doing. And my body kept rejecting it because much later in life, when I would finally get my genetic testing, it was like, oh yeah, you don't process synthetic hormones. Oh, duh. Well, that's why. So <laughs> it's almost irresponsible to just have this one size fits all medicine mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the damage that we do to our bodies by not understanding our body's weaknesses mine being some liver pathway weaknesses that doesn't allow me to process synthetic hormones, right? So it's almost like there should be a prerequisite of, oh, does your body actually handle this? And how detrimental is it to you if it doesn't? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I'm very interested in doing that. And I think I'm going to go with that genetic testing just to see, including with the blood work. I want to talk about it in a minute too, but I heard you say somewhere about supplements and that so many people are on so many supplements, like either you're all in these medications and then we rush to a cabinet of so many supplements. And I know that when we work with you, it's about simplifying that. So I would love for you to touch on supplements and sort of what's the bean protocol and your take in that. I definitely don't demonize supplements. Mm -hmm. I understand their value. I also understand that it is an unregulated field. So what you think you might be getting, you might not be getting at all or weak or synthetic. So supplements like herbs, they're incredibly powerful. So trusting the source, trusting the person, trusting the company, doing the research yourself, not just taking your doctor's word for it and really looking into what you're putting in your body because our body is this incredibly resilient. But if you're unwell, it is a very sensitive ecosystem. I mean, it's always a sensitive ecosystem, but this idea of like, oh, everybody should take a multi. Well, what does that multi have in it? And are you actually deficient in all of those things? And if you're not, how is that throwing the balance of your body out? Minerals are an incredibly important part and metals, right? We all have naturally occurring metals, copper in our body and iron and obviously important elements, but to varying degrees. So if you're taking this multi and it has all this stuff in it, and what if you already have too much copper in your body? What if you wear a copper ID and your body's leaching all of this copper into your body? And how is that throwing off the balance in your body? So there is just mm -hmm. a lot to consider. So traditionally, my mentor, Karen, pulls out all supplements. I kind of work with them a little differently. I was trained to use them. So very, very selectively, I will use them and then at very high levels. And for short courses, like I don't like people sitting on any supplement because I don't think that does a service. My personal philosophy is if you really need to bring up a level and time is working against you and you can't do it with food and dedication to food, then bring up the level and then get off and maintain with food and continue mm -hmm. to watch it and pay attention. But if you're really paying attention to your diet and eating a wonderful whole foods diet, unless there's other issues at play, right? Health is so complex because yes, if you have a poor gut and poor digestion and weak digestive enzymes and weak stomach acid, then you may not even be breaking down the food and getting all of what you need. So there's just too many things here going on. But yes, in my course, yeah. I ask people to wean off or take a break or take them intermittently. Instead of Every morning you wake up and you take 20 supplements. You maybe do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You kind of like give your body a break because your body mm -hmm. has to process all of that stuff, all the information. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. And I totally realize it's very individual. It's very hard to speak about these things sometimes because it's not one size fits all. And I know that you do a really good job at 
looking at each individual case and understanding. But it's interesting to hear that. And I think oftentimes we forget that you can get the vitamin Ds from the sun and from some foods or different levels of other vitamins. I have a friend of mine, for example, it's all in her food. She'll get like her blood work done. And if she's low on this and that, she'll tell Nat, I'm going to go and I'm going to just eat more of this or eat more of that. And she fixes it. I've known her for 20 years. And I'm like, that is so smart. Oftentimes we forget about that, that we can actually rely on food as medicine, as these beautiful things that are here to support us in our journey. And the healing process, I think healing happens when we are relaxed, as I heard you speak as well. I'm really big on this one. And healing happens when we're chilled and we're relaxed, parasynthetic nervous system, all that. I've recently released a course, online course for my students called Sleep Medicine. And I talk a lot about the importance of sleep as being one of your non-negotiables. But I also feel just unique. And this is something I'm trying to say because it's so important to me. Like I'm in my 40s now and it's for the first time that I'm really realizing sleep. I've always been really good at that, but not just that, just in my life in general to try to just be more relaxed and not always be like, go, 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 go doing something. And I think that many of us don't realize that we do need healing. I'll give you specifically an example of what I'm talking about. A lot of yogis listen to this podcast because I've been teaching yoga for 20 plus years. We have a training school. And so there's a lot of teachers that comes and go here. And in many of us now, we have all kinds of different yogas, but you know, in the Ashtanga world, the world that I come from, or vinyasa or power yoga, flow yoga, and here we are, we're like healthy. We're like healthy people. And we are oftentimes coaches and teachers in our communities. And yet so many of my clients, the teachers I mentor, and I know because I'm also sort of like that, however, I've shifted some now the past few years, are just always going, like going, going, going. It's almost like the power yogas and the vinyasas and the flow, which is really the most popular, attract a lot of A-type personalities. And I see some of my clients like that they're eating really well and they're maybe like not drinking wine, trying to do all the right things, but yet they don't stop. It's like 24-7. And I used to be one of those people until I was like, I don't know, maybe 38 or 39. I had a yoga studio for 10 years. You work seven days a week. You're always going. You're always doing something. I just find now that is not the way that I want to be all the time anymore. For me, it's beautiful when I don't have anything on my schedule on Mm -hmm. a Wednesday or Thursday Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I'm much more, I mean, I moved to the country, I've completely redid my life so that I work primarily online now so that I don't have to live in that kind of rhythm. But it's hard. And I'd love to hear you speaking about that because sometimes there's a disconnect there. So how that bridge could happen because the disconnect to me is I'm like, okay, you've got to stop, slow down. But I guess everybody has to come to that because it's so important to look at all of that. Absolutely. And I also think it's looking at what's driving it. I'll take a look at my own younger years. What was driving it was fight or flight. I was in survival mode of making money and providing for my daughters and having the money I needed to live my life. And so it was all hustle, hustle, hustle. And I never stopped to contemplate, is this fulfilling? Does this feel good? I just was like, I'm just a worker bee and I'm going to just keep going and going. And I just really drove my body into the ground. So 
if what is propelling your constant action is the fact that you are absolutely lit up and you love what you're doing, then it's coming from a very different place than if you're in fight or flight and you're just hustling and you're just disconnected from your body. If you're in connection with your body and you're fulfilling a life purpose and that's the energy that's propelling you, then that's really beautiful. But I also think if that is the energy that's propelling you, then you will also know when it's time to rest and value how resting is there to honor the body, recharge the batteries so you can continue your life's work, your passion, whatever it is that's driving you. But if what's driving you is insecurity and the sole purpose is money and look, all of us have to pay our bills so nobody's going to fault you. But it's like in that equation, where do you find the balance and respecting your body? The thing that will allow you to do whatever your life's purpose is for the rest of your life if you take care of it. If you don't take care of it, then really what I discovered was, A, I was on the wrong path in life. and my illness is what pulled me into my body and also realigned me with my essential self and what I was really here to do and probably what I was here to do all along. But I was so driven by social and culture that I didn't ever contemplate like, hey, what do you want to do? And even Mm -hmm. so, when I started working with the Bean Protocol, I really left an incredible career as far as reputation and building something wonderful to take for safety, security, and wonderful people. I had gotten really lucky and surrounded myself with incredible people, but still it wasn't really aligned with my essential self, right? This desire Mm -hmm. to help and give back and be a part of something bigger. But I was so out of touch with it that I couldn't even comprehend connecting with that and course correcting because I'd spent 20 years building a very different career. So my body is what really course corrected me. It was the one that humbled me and beat up my ego and my superficial approach to health really realigned me to what was important. So when I started talking about beans with people, very few people were brave enough to listen because I started this journey nine years ago and started coaching pretty soon after within a couple of years of being on the bean protocol. Very few people were like, oh, this is interesting. I'm here for it. (laughs) And I couldn't believe it because I was like, wow, we live in this world where beans are really villainized. They're the villain. Mm -hmm. And here are these people going okay, tell me more. And I was like, wow. (laughs) And my whole dream was to start a bean revolution because (laughs) I felt like I had spent years looking for Karen and her philosophies, not knowing that it was going to be based obviously in beans because I would have been like, yeah, right. But (laughs) once I found her, I was like, I don't ever want anybody to not find this information. If anything, I want them to find this information and choose out of it versus it's not available to them because it wasn't available to me. And I'm 46. So there was a time when internet wasn't as robust with information. And I was Googling, searching this information so many different ways, how to heal Crohn's naturally, how to heal painful periods naturally, and no information was really available. Mm -hmm. So to me, obviously I started with honoring your body, but there's so many ways to honor your body, honor your body with rest, honor your body with a calm nervous system. Obviously there's a beautiful time for the nervous system to be revved with excitement and adrenaline. And that's beautiful, but it's not really living in that pedal to the metal state, I think. Yeah, living in that mode the whole time. Why do you think there's so much, I know this is a big question, but you know, in a nutshell, hormone imbalance, especially I see it with women and so many of my friends and the girls I met. And really it's all ages. Like some people come to me and they're going through hormone imbalance. They're like 29, 30, you know, 40s, 41, just really all ages. So Obviously, it's got to be on everything, right? Our foods and the products, the hormones imbalance. 
Well, yes. If you are living in an adrenalized state, fight or flight, trauma, taking in synthetic birth control pills, living on coffee and sugar, everything we do affects our endocrine system. There isn't this idea of like, oh, it doesn't affect me. I'm different. It does. It just affects us all in different ways. So if you're living propped up on coffee, not enough sleep, that endocrine system, whether it's melatonin to estrogen or thyroid, it's this beautiful orchestra that's connected from the brain. And if you're not taking care of yourself and nourishing your body and your body doesn't have enough nutrients and it's over-adrenalized and you're messing with your cortisol and you're not getting enough sleep, you begin to see how the body with this prolonged story may not happen a few times, right? But if you have this prolonged story that your body begins to change and shift with the information that you're giving it. Mm -hmm. And also I see a lot of chronic inflammation. Don't you feel like there's a lot of that going on too? Absolutely. Again, chronic inflammation speaks to a pretty big diet lifestyle imbalance going on. That many oftentimes people don't even realize, we don't even realize Mm -hmm. that this Mm -hmm. is happening. It's sort of going on. Okay. So with that said, let's talk about Do you feel this blood work? I saw that you're working with a company and I'm really interested in knowing this information because I feel like this could be really powerful for some people to start taking their health back through this blood work that we're not just depending on going to a doctor to get it. What's the name of the company? It's Inside Tracker. And how does that work? Inside Tracker is really wonderful. A lot of doctors won't necessarily run a lot of blood work or there has to be a reason. I think Mm -hmm. where the medical system needs to change, they shouldn't test stuff because there's a problem. You should be testing before there's a problem so that you can actually cut it off at the pass. So this idea of waiting till you have a reason to do testing to me is a little backwards because if you have a problem, then it's already too late. So tracking Mm -hmm. your blood and watching how your body is being nourished properly are these really important levels of iron and how is your blood glucose and how is your cholesterol and how is your testosterone and your estrogen and progesterone? Like all of these things are really important markers of health. So keeping an eye on them and your nutrient levels could save you from ever going down the dark path of disease because you can course correct along the way. I think blood work, regular blood work, at least once a year, twice a year, preferably so you can really see because things are constantly changing based off your diet and lifestyle. There is no such thing as, oh, a year ago, it was good. So why isn't it now? It's like, well, what happened in that year? Right. What were you eating? What were you doing? What were you exposed to? So really blood work, I view it as preventative. And I am now trying to get my blood work done every six months. I'm not an athlete. I think athletes probably should do that more often because of the drain on their body from what they're doing. But yeah, so there's Inside Tracker. They also do genetic and they'll put your biomarkers against your genetic. And they do also for people who want to finance it, they can do monthly payments. So they've made it really easy for people to get that information. And once you have that information, if you need to, you can obviously there's a lot of changes you can make with diet. Inside Tracker does a really beautiful job of giving you suggestions. If something's really out of whack, they'll recommend that you see a doctor or talk to a health professional to get that figured Mm -hmm. out. And then the other company I like to work with, it's basically just genetic nutrition where they look at your genetics against your strengths and weaknesses and talk about what you can do with diet to help shore up the weaknesses in your genetics and hopefully not pull the trigger on disease. I mean, that's the whole thing is genetics, epigenetics. We are not 
our genetics in the sense that if you eat for health and take care of yourself and really care for your stress, that you don't have to pull these disease triggers that are passed down from generations. You can really sidestep it. It's optional. It's not necessity that if somebody in your family has cancer or heart disease, you don't necessarily have to pull those triggers. You can actually do a lot in your diet and lifestyle to never pull those triggers. That's awesome. This makes me so happy to hear about both of these services and that you're working with them. I started testing my blood, wanting to know about all of that when I was in my mid-30s. And I remember going to the doctor once a year for checkups and exams and having to ask for all of this. And literally, and I'm not talking about just one, like different ones over the years, right? Three, four. And they're like, look at me, like I'm kind of crazy. Because they're like, here I am healthy. There was nothing really going on specifically. And they were just like, why would you want to ask for all this? And I remember also in my late 30s that I went to someone and got all this. And then like three months later, I got a bill and it was like almost Mm $4,000. I'm not kidding you. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh my God. But I did think it's totally worth it. And I paid for it. It's something that's really important to me. And I do want that. And it is interesting that unless you are going through sort of something or a condition, like you just said, they don't really want to do that for you. So then when I saw Inside Tracker and these other companies working with, to me, this makes total sense and makes it much more affordable and available. So Mm -hmm. I'll link below those companies and I'll also put if you have any special codes or anything that people can use so we can go through that as well. So I I absolutely do have a code for Inside Tracker and I can send you the links to both companies and you can have them there. But it's a wonderful way to take in your health into your own hands is incredibly scary at first as it was for me, but then it's really empowering. And now I work with doctors who are really in support of my journey because ultimately I am responsible for my human body and Uh The first 30 years of my life, I really handed that responsibility over to my doctors and practitioners. And every time something happened and they'd make a recommendation, oh, take this for the pain or take that for the sickness. And I just did it without question. And now I really look at everything and weigh the risk rewards to my body and feel comfortable having those conversations with my doctors. There's a tooth Uh that I need to have work on, but it's a complex situation. And it's not optional, but is in the sense that it's to put in a implant or not. And because it's a complex surgery, I know I'm going to have to take antibiotics for it. And I'm really weighing out like, do I want to disrupt my very healthy microbiome to do this? Uh And is Uh the benefit worth the risk? So I no longer just take things at face value. I really sit with it and do not feel the need to make a rush choice based off of pressure or anything else. Just like, hey, is this right for me? Is this good for me? Is this a good risk for the reward or not? Because I understand how fragile these ecosystems are. Yeah. I mean, they're very fragile. A couple of years ago, I had a urinal infection and I basically went to a gynecologist, got all these really heavy antibiotics started taking them for seven days or nine days. I forgot. It was like a long period and just had so much side effects. I literally thought on day three, I thought I was going to die. My heart was just going nuts, palpitations. I was feeling really dizzy. And my friend, the same one that I was telling you earlier, and by the way, her name is Denise. She's also been on the podcast. It's funny because she's from Haiti and she grew up with her mom 
doing all these plant medicine things, you know, and just really healing the body through food. When I told her what was going on and she said, stop all that. And she's not even a nutritionist or anything. It's just like, that's her culture. And she said, we're going to stop that. And I'm going to give you some things for you to eat and drink cranberry juice and cranberry and this and that and lots of water. And you know what? That's what I did. And I got better that way. It's just crazy because the antibiotic, yeah, it was probably going to heal me from that situation, but started a whole other on the side, the side effects. So that's why it made no sense for me at that time. But knowing that there are other options, it's like, I just remember when she was telling me that there was another option, you know, and I was following her, I was like, oh my God, a light bulb. It didn't even occur to me to try a different way until she mentioned it. (laughs) So people listening to this podcast right now, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening and saying, whoa, okay, now I'm inspired to maybe work with Unique, get the course, or also like do this blood work and see. Unique, for someone who's like trying to sort of jumpstart in this health and journey, what's your advice if somebody's inspired by all this and they're like, I don't even know where to start? What's your advice? Well, one way is you can start with a 15-minute chat with me and ask questions. If that's not in your budget, I would just say start integrating more soluble fiber into your life in a very small way and allowing your microbes to get adjusted and to also bring in those new microbes that might be missing to digest these foods. What I see from my chair and in coaching and in building nutrition plans is that there is an epidemic of gut issues going on and hormonal imbalances and it's just off the charts. Whether it's a history of antibiotics or birth control pills, all of these things really can detrimentally injure and deplete the microbiome of certain abilities to digest and break down and missing microbes as well, right? Just from antibiotic use, constant antibiotic use, but it doesn't mean that you can't bring it back, but it's a conscious and very patient conversation. A lot of people who hear about beans will just add a bunch in and then feel really unwell and stop doing it. So my constant advice is go slow, go small, start with one kind of legume, don't add in 15 legumes in a week and then feel like crap. Like really be conscientious about how you're introducing your body to all of this fiber. Thank you. And what about your book? Can you tell us a little about your book? Yes. My first (laughs) book, Your Taste Beds Are Assholes, basically (laughs) walks you through my disease and health story from start to finish. And my second book, which I am currently finishing, is The Bean Protocol. And Karen wrote the foreword for me. And it's really a protocol, a book with a protocol and recipes. So that should be out hopefully later this year. Very exciting. I can't wait. I want to also add that I'm loving your course. Yesterday, I really geeked on it. I actually printed the download section and made it like spiral and made it look really nice. So I have all of that available. And I wanted to mention that I love that resource page that you have right in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Where you have all kinds of stuff like substitute for coffee and cleaning products. And it was just so well put. And I said, oh my God, this is like a lot of research, you know, that I'm sure you you put a lot into it. And just to have someone just hand that to you, it's such a gift. So thank you so much for that. And I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're wanting to get on this journey, definitely look at Unique's 
course because it's just that in itself, totally worth it. I was like, oh my God, I need to get these cleaning products. And I looked into the bean company. It's just really fun. Thank so, you. And tell us the website for that. So to find how to work with me and do my e-course, it's yourgreat.com. Y-O-U-R-E, great, G-R-E-A-T.com. Yep. And follow you on Instagram on? You can follow The Bean Protocol or you can follow me, Unique Hammond. Yes. And you have a podcast now. I do. It's called You're Great. And it's, you know, just something I've been toying with doing for a couple of years now as a way to support those on their healing journey, taking dives into really stories about healing. So my clients currently are the ones sharing their healing stories as a way to inspire others, but also then having experts on like Karen Hurd, my mentor. And today Mm -hmm. I launched Martha Beck, March 28th. And my next guest will be Ara Katz from Seed, which is a probiotic company, but really they're dedicated to making wonderful products that really work. And my clients have seen incredible benefit. Although Hmm. I do not necessarily suggest a probiotic for everyone because I feel (laughs) that food is a wonderful way to feed your gut biome. But if you are really whacked out, it's something to consider. Again, though, like supplements, like any supplements, I do not suggest anybody just run out and start a probiotic. I use them very sparingly and very consciously Uh with certain clients of mine. Yeah. And something like that you can find on the one-on-one sessions, right? With you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm excited about your podcast. I've listened to it and I love it. One of my last questions here, if you could go back and look at little girls or even like young Natalie, young, unique, between 10 years old and 15, 16. So let's think about the girls now in the world around that age. What would you say to them? Recommendation for health and wellness. (laughs) Man, looking at little (laughs) unique at 15, health wasn't even on her mind. And we're kind of in this very pod mentality where I was looking at what my friends were doing and it was less about what Uh my parents were saying about eating healthy. And I was looking at them going, Hey, my friends, they're eating Snickers and drinking coffee. I'm going to do that. So I think 15 is a difficult age to Uh talk health unless the child themselves have decided that they want to eat healthy. Or if you have an ailment at a very young age, I was just very externally focused for such a long time. But if I were to say anything to those girls, it would be, hey, if your skin is not good, don't go on birth control. Start looking at your diet because acne and all of that is really a direct conversation to your gut biome and your hormones being out of balance and inflammation. So there's a few things going on there to look at. And the easy way out is a birth control pill. I would say I have a lot of clients who started at 15 and are on it for anywhere from 15 to 20 years and then getting off and trying to get pregnant and having a hard time. And then their mm-hmm. acne comes back because the root cause hasn't been balanced. Yeah. So I would say if there are painful periods and hormone issues to really start with nutrition instead of ending there because our bodies use the food we eat to inform our body on the choices it makes for us and whether we're going to be filled with inflammation or imbalances. So the food we eat is incredibly important. Yeah. Thank you for that. I have many friends who have young teenager daughters now, and I love what you just said and sharing that information. So I think it's really powerful. And lastly, what is your take on exercising? Because I was listening to the 
audios and I know it probably it depends, but there's also this thing that people think they need to exercise too much every day. And if you don't, me, for example, I feel guilty. And now I'm starting to allow myself to kind of be a little more gentle with it. But like I said, especially when you look at some of the Ashtangis or like Vinyasa flow people that it's like even that five days a week, an hour and a half practice each time. And then if you don't do it, you feel guilty. And then there's a whole emotional content that comes with that. And then it's like it breeds depression. And I don't know, I'm starting to really kind of reevaluate all that. So I'd love your input. Well, I think the guilt part is the part to look at, right? So if somebody is doing something and it's their practice, but they're not questioning if their body is up to it, a lot of people will feel better after doing it, right? And some people will feel worse. But I think it's more the big thing I heard there was the guilt part is like, okay, first of all, let's deal with that and look at why one would feel guilty for taking a day off and taking care of themselves. And then the other one is, are you working out constantly for ego? Are you working out constantly for practice? Are you working out because you're passionate about it? Or are you driven by strictly superficial elements? Like there's just so much to dig in there. Mm-hmm. I'd say that if you're not in your body, then you're not listening to your body. Your mind is overriding the body's signals for rest and going, no, this is what we do no matter what. So if we start to get quiet, we can hear the body and the body will often give us a pretty clear like, yeah, today's a good day. Let's keep doing this. And maybe you can do that for years. And then one maybe one day the body's like, no, I can't do this anymore. And those are the moments that you really listen. So I would look at what is the motivation what is the limiting belief around working out if there is one or not? And is it really driven by practice, mastery? And then what does that look like for you? I'm all about honoring the body. I know everybody has a different capacity. I think when I was younger, I had a greater capacity to not listen to my body and just push all the time. I have a Mm -hmm. much greater capacity now for rest and going, "Hmm, yeah, today I feel a little like I need to have more rest and be a little quieter. So I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. Is this part of what you talked about in this last episode that you were mentioning when you talked about emotional things? Yeah. It's just really how healing aligned with aligning with my essential self and really beginning to hear what I truly wanted versus what was being driven by insecurity or approval or any of the above. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, what feels good? Oh, you know what? It feels good to not do this. And it feels good to say no to that. And it feels good to rest and to really get aligned with my true nature versus all of the cultural learnings and expectations I had piled on top of that voice. Yeah, that's awesome. I will link the episode below as well so everyone can listen to it. I think it has to do with a lot of this conversation. I mean, that could be a whole podcast is emotional attachments that we have to all that Mm -hmm. that really kind of hold us back in our healing. Thank you so much for being here today. I love that you had so much to share. It's a lot that we've covered in that Even if someone has never heard this type of conversation before, plant seeds and see what is it that you're ready, listener, to look at and to work at and know that we have so much support on the planet right now and you can work with people remotely and work with unique. I really appreciate it, what you're doing and also for you coming on Life on Earth podcast. So thank you, Unique Hammond. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed our conversation today. Me too. Thank you for listening to Life on Earth podcast. I hope you have an amazing day wherever you are. I hope to see you soon and hope you found this content to be inspiring. Don't forget to check out our show notes below. Share this episode with someone you love. 
follow us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And I hope to see you very soon.